0: Saeed who is a sexual harassment lawyer who currently runs Rights of Women's free sexual harassment helpline at work which she founded and set up Diva has also just been nominated as a future shaper of 2020 by Mary Claire Um, and Deba is just a genuine badass feminist who constantly supports other women and we are so so excited to have Diva join us today so
1: thank you. Hello That was very nice. Hello, <laughs> I'm so thrilled <laughs> really to you guys here. Thank you for having
2: me. Yeah, we're very pleased to have you and then get some of your knowledge and insight into the women's rights space. So I'm going to start with the first question, Diba. Um, can you tell us about your journey and what inspired you to pursue a career in advocating for women? I think definitely the audience will be really interested to hear that, and I certainly am as well.
1: It's such a difficult question. I mean. for for me it's it's deeply personal like I all of the the things I'm advocating for now I have experienced them in my life personally and so that's why work is so cathartic and powerful to me it's not just something I fell into it's something I've been growing into my entire life um and it's to be honest, it's 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 really a tool for me to to heal, to to empower people right. where I wasn't empowered, um, and I just right. find it incredibly. Um, I don't know, you know, like I just feel very lucky that I have figured out what I'm supposed to do on this planet, <laughs> and once, right, kind <clears> of, <throat> I mean, once you kind of figure out what that is, it just makes life incredibly more simple because I know what I'm supposed to do every day I know what I care about and I know Mm. what makes sense to me and and how I want things to be different in the future and it becomes your life you know like you guys are activists you know like it's not it's not a job it's Mm. it's an every day every moment you're pushing you're pushing for for more for change for for action for results you know it's kind of like how i live my life really to be honest
2: (laughs) wow that's a really um honest and moving um story really because that that must i mean it must be really hard for you every day to kind of or or is it actually um because i think you you obviously inspire many many people who you you know you're, you're brave and you're honest about your journey so how how have you how have you coped like what's what's kept you going
1: I think what's kept me going is um so I mean when, when we talk to the women on the advice line every conversation is like incredibly powerful you know like you've really got women who are bearing their absolute souls to you and you know I don't know their name and they don't know my name <laughs> but we're having this beautiful connection in that moment and I hope that they feel so they feel heard and listened to and as soon as you just have one of those conversations you're just like I think I think when you when you start recognizing the patterns in the call and you start hearing the same call over and over again and you start realizing how this is these are systematic problems you know these aren't mm. every woman is just oh. experiencing it through her own eyes and through her own situation and through whatever specific vulnerabilities she has but when you start kind of sensing the pattern and and what's going on and you start understanding the systemic problems and the issues it's very powerful because you start realizing you know what how many barriers need to be broken down how many how people need to understand what's actually happening and just how like we've got to fight we have to fight so much nonsense and so much so much Uh like (laughs) so many presumptions I just wish everybody could like come and listen to the advice (laughs) not that they can because obviously it's all (laughs) confidential but i think it's it's obviously like shaped who i am a lot um didn't you
0: win didn't you win an award as well with the law society i know that um they were they obviously give pro bono awards out but it's obviously more than pro bono because it really is it's a constant now and it has and whilst it is free, it's one of the incredible um, sources that are available to women to equal
1: out the equality in yeah. your place of work. Oh, yeah, like, the um, fact that this is all pro bono it is mad. You know, like, this yeah. should be stuff that the government is giving people. Um, I think all, you know, like, legal aid and all of that is stuff that, you know, the state should be providing. Um, but no, it's just fall into the charity sector to be, to, you know, to kind of... <laughs> To, to help people get access to their legal rights you know it shouldn't be that way where um, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't afford legal advice sorry you have to go to a charity um but that's that's the situation we're in <laughs> and yeah you're right you know we, we've been recognized for the work we're doing because it's astounding that it wasn't there before when the problem is so massive mm-hmm. and the demand for our services yeah. so high that you kind of it kind of you know when we first started I was a bit like oh are people going to call us you know have we been have we been exaggerating this and then you kind of get the influx of calls and you realize like wow we're not even scratching the surface of what we need to be doing um and we're just a little like tiny charity a band of female you know employment lawyers trying to give this free support um when really the entire system has to change um yeah
0: That's incredible because it really is. that What we do at um, Women for Wanawake, what we're trying to do is really um, focus on, because part of it is education, isn't it? And you talk about system change, but it's also like cultural change. There are many men who sit on the top of like they're in the corporate boards they're your manager they're your boss and they just don't understand what sexual harassment is and they may use that as that kind of ignorance as an excuse and as that as as protection against not being then held to account for it and i find that really frustrating because it's just i think boys young boys and girls need to understand what is sexual harassment
1: yeah yeah, yeah, it's a massive, massive, personally. Like I, I don't mean you know, like, you know, sexual harassers don't identify as being sexual harassers, do they? They don't reckon their behaviour or otherwise why would they do it? That's some of the mm-hmm. I mean that's some of it, but then I, I actually do speak to a lot of women who are experiencing abuse from somebody who is quite manipulative and um they are certainly exploiting their position of power. And they obviously get a kick out of it you know they get a kick out of mm-hmm. um being able to do that to somebody who can't fight back to be able to exert that power and that control and and that's why you know that's why sexual harassment is a type of violence against women which people sort of struggle to understand yeah. they think oh it's just a guy having a crack and just you know oh. hit her and what's the problem with that and a bit of a i think the thing with sexual harassment is there is this constant kind of um, obsession with the gray area you know like sexual harassment mm. is it's all about interpretation and it depends on like your attitude and if you want to interpret it as harassment and i think that's the kind of problem that we're still kind of fighting against and you know banging our head against a brick wall that you know what's the kind of problem and and i think What we see on the advice line, though, is probably, you know, women aren't calling us about those kind of grey area, you know, things. They're calling us because Mm -hmm. they have, you know, for example, they've turned down a sexual advance from their manager, and now their manager is punishing them for that. They are, they've removed them from that project, they've taken them out of that meeting, they've um you know they've put they've put them on a redundancy pro process they've put them on a performance review you know they're they're really kind of wreaking havoc Mm. on their lives because they feel sexually rejected
0: Mm. and that's when you need
1: employment law advice because you're like this isn't just me i've turned down some guy and you know he's a bit upset about it this is somebody who's now Mm -hmm. trying
2: to ruin my life because of this um and I think, I'm um, yeah. oh, sorry to interrupt you again, I think because the internet is a bit laggy. Um, but for me, I think um, sexual harassment is so normalized in, in terms of like, uh, you know what you're saying about perception and what we see as like sexual harassment and what it actually is. I think for me personally, um, and maybe this is my ignorance, but it's, it's been, I've seen sexual harassment to be quite blatant. So like rape or someone like actually touching you or whatever, but even what people say, which I've discovered now, obviously in, in the work that we're doing is it, it can be so subtle, but it's so normalized. You see it in music videos, you see it, you know, as you said, friends, people say things to you and you're like, Oh, well, that's my friend. So that's fine. And, but then that's what I think stops people from coming forward. Um, and as Nina was saying that in the beginning, you know, as, as women and girls and, and boys, we need to be taught from an early age, uh, what sexual harassment is across the board and yeah. it's not an interpretation it is what it is you know what I mean and you shouldn't just because someone's your friend or or your partner that you should allow such behavior if it's not welcomed it shouldn't happen and I think that's yeah. the difference
1: I think as well like what I would say about it is that there's so much male entitlement like mm. that men have the right to be sexual with women mm-hmm. and they don't appreciate yeah. a woman doesn't want to be sexualized when she's at work. She wants to be a professional. She wants to do her job. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want to be hit on. And she doesn't want to be commented on her appearance. And, like, we're really disrespecting a woman when she's doing something professional. Mm -hmm. And we're reducing her to a sexual object, you know? Actually, Diva, I've got a question
0: that we actually didn't previously have. But I was like, because we, I recently had a chat with my family, actually, and my cousins about um, WAP. You know, the song um, with Cardi B and uh, Megan Thee Stallion, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, so we had a debate, and uh, I'm a feminist, um, and... My cousin also is, but our views were very different about the song and what it represented. And we were mm-hmm. actually talking about how Russell Brand had weighed in on the debate and yeah. had said that the the song and the video is not good. And he kind of referred it, or rather compared it to pornography and was yeah. basically saying that these women are talking about female empowerment, but they're using their bodies. Um, and that, yes, that may be empowering for some, but they could basically do more. And I was kind of of the view that... I think Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, they've really they're rec- they're reclaiming it. they're reclaiming their kind of power through their bodies. This is the state that we live in. Um yeah. and they're also businesswomen. I think they do a lot more than just in that video. But I want to know your opinion, also yeah. Paris, yours too about this.
1: Well, look, Russell Brand is a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up um So I don't. I think that's what it is, isn't it? Like this it's this deep-rooted misogyny that, like, we need a man to tell us how we should behave exactly. or is respectable. Like, how about shut your face, my, uh, Russell
2: Brand? Um, and I completely people... agree. What do you? Think? I, I completely and I completely agree with you. I completely agree with both of you. I think how dare these men? Um, because they sexualise us, but when we Want to sexualize yourself, then it's wrong. It's like, how, do, like, where do you get off um, saying that? Um, I think men always have an opinion. Um, yes. And, mm-hmm. and you're right, Dee, but about misogyny, anything to kind of put us in our place, say, like, we sexualize you, you don't sexualize yourself, but we use you as a sexual thing. And before he became this kind of woke, quote unquote, guy, he was treating women dis- disrespectfully and disgustingly. So, but to your point like whether I think no I love that song like I feel great when I sing it like it mm-hmm. makes me feel
1: like awesome like why should I you know like there is like there's a sort of a greater kind of that song because there's there's so much like misogyny in music I was like I don't know if you guys follow Lala, let me explain on Instagram, yeah, who is my God I love her um she was talking about like how you know loads of music is misogynistic, but we still like to dance and enjoy it and things like that. And and that's Absolutely. not a problem, you know. Like that's fine. But a woman like puts mm. out a two sexualized song, and we're like, whoa, what's going on here? Like this has to be policed. This has to be questioned. <laughs> like you know, men have been putting out sexualized songs for ever, and and that was fine. And I don't. I don't really sort of have a strong opinion about it like this is this is something like I was gonna talk about later when one of the questions you asked me but this kind of misogyny that kind of perme, perme- permeates between like through culture and through everything mm. I was watching like um have you seen The Holiday you must have seen The Holiday yes <laughs> and, I haven't oops <laughs> oh god that, like it's so basic but watches <laughs> I, I quite liked it There's so much misogyny in that film, like it's, and that's like a rom com, and it's like there's so much sexism in, like women are pathetic creatures who need a man to live, and they they're crying their eyes out at being rejected, and they're, you know, the only thing a woman wants head off to to a man, and I I was kind of just like, I don't know, and I kind of that film is like 20 years old now, and I was like this is messed up like this is what we're telling women to Mm -hmm. to the whole film is just really weird
2: actually Mm -hmm. and the (laughs) fact that we still
0: watch these kind of films this is still the films that we're all watching this is still the films that's on netflix it's the most popular films and these are like
1: family
2: films right these
1: are like this is what good morals and good values are this what a clean cut it's just
2: normalization exactly even as women we normalize this behavior completely you know in in uh, I know in my culture, uh, African, Kenyan, uh, we have some old-fashioned views. My grandmother would have some weird old-fashioned views about how women should be. Mm-hmm. And we carry on and perpetuate this. And there's people even my age who perpetuate this kind of behavior. So, you know, as women, we do have a big part to play in some of the way the, the behaviors that are carried out in terms of like how women are perceived. Because yeah. you see some... So I'm sure there's so many women that are like, Cardi B, you know, she's a whore, she's this. How, you know, rather than actually saying, well, she's actually taking this in her own hands and empowering herself. So we do... I find that women can very, also be quite judgmental. I think we do, need, we do need to look at that.
1: We're very threatened by, like... Yeah.
2: Homosexual.
1: Like, it's... The, the, the way that we have to, like, backlash says, says everything,
2: doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so this comes on nicely to the to the next question about um i may be i may destroy you i mean she really took a spin on mm. sexualization rape abuse ra- um, racism everything so i mean me and nina absolutely loved it i mean just every week every week we'd talk about it we'd be like, oh my god can you believe this can you believe that like you know especially about the whole rape situation and consent which is something that really surprised me because it's not something that i i knew and understood again this is about education, um, and, so it would be really good to get your view on how she represented sexual harassment because it, it was quite shocking and very in your face, which is what I think we needed to see. Um, yeah. But yeah, what's your opinion on on that?
1: I just thought that was the most masterful piece of genius TV mm-hmm. that there has mm-hmm. been in the last. 20- <laughs> I cannot. I was on the floor, like emotionally, professionally, like everything. I was just. I was. Like, where has this been? What this is like this the most important TV show there has been for a really long time. And what did I think about the depiction? Like, uh, like so true, so realistic. Oh god, the way she covers everything, I can't can't stop like, (laughs) I like gushing about it. But like, (laughs) I think I was just like, I, I was like. I was texting everyone I know just being like this is it this is what everybody needs to see and what did I think I thought I thought particularly like the rape this the thing about the you know the guy taking off the condom like the the rape yeah series of stories on my Instagram about it and like and um, how people just had no idea that was rape and they wouldn't associate really? that as rape and um, but so many women had like I asked if the women had ever experienced this before and it broke my heart how many women had said yes a guy had done this to her like it's shocking that we don't talk about this stuff more because there will be. Yeah. You know, all of those women probably have never told anyone, or they've, you know, told very few people about it. And there isn't really a safe space where we can all just kind of be like, "Yes, this happened to me too," and literally me too. And, <laughs>
2: and <laughs> yeah.
1: And she, and she, you know, Michaela Cole, like she literally created that space where people could talk about this. And I think there was a really kind of healing experience for a lot of women to kind of just acknowledge, like, "Yes, this happened to me," and it was deeply fucked up. Um a journalist that um is really supportive of our work, Sophie Wilkinson. Um she wrote this really good piece on this. Go on her Instagram and, and read it. Like it was um incredible that they're just like this is uh, this has been happening for a long time and I just can't believe that it wasn't yeah. discussed. And it's this goes back to education because Um, a lot of guys think taking a condom off in in the middle of sex isn't rape like and and where do they get these ideas from like they need to be do they do they really need to be sat down and told it like I guess they do We're doing that education it needs to be like oh by the way um you know (laughs) you know like there's a certain amount of like trust and consent when you're having sex with someone yeah the, the violation of that if you do this, it has to be explained, I
2: guess.
1: And it's
2: shocking, but I guess. I think a lot of abuse happens in relationships, doesn't it? And people, because you you assume, again, this is my boyfriend, uh, so therefore, or my husband, so therefore it's not rape. Exactly. Uh You know, that's what we're seeing now. There's a lot of domestic violence now. So I think it's also explaining, even in a relationship, whether you've been together 20 years or five minutes, it's still, you can't be doing those things without consent and that's
1: why the show is so genius because she just touches on all of those issues you know like when it happens to her she's kind of you know she doesn't know the guy very well and then she goes on to carry on dating him it's so clever mm-hmm. yeah it's such a clever show because she's she's touching on all these kind of social taboos and these these myths around what rape is and you know oh you wouldn't date someone that's raped you and you wouldn't um you know, like oh, I just oh, I can't like also give her. the fact that
0: yeah, like she was essentially like she was date raped and she blacked out, and that kind of the flat the way she kind of created this whole character them and the flashbacks as well. I found that so, and I'm sure you both did as well. Like just so so emotional because mm-hmm. there are, I've got friends who've had similar things happen to them, and it must have been very very hard to watch. For people who have had very similar things happen to them, yeah. and I feel like Michaela Cole, what she does so well is she—it's—it's it's nice to know, not nice, but it's—it's it's good to know that that this can be told and that you have shared experiences with other with other women, and that these these things are being broken down and they're being addressed. Um, I think Dave Diva, you said before that you're telling all your friends and stuff to watch it, um, and so was I. I was just saying like just everyone's got to watch it, brothers boyfriends yeah. like especially the men in your life because
1: for one week of yeah. course
0: we've got to do some unlearning as well but um a lot of men have lots and lots of unlearning to do like it was just I felt like I was watching a finally an actual sex education like lesson which I've like never had in my life yeah. I feel like we still get taught just how to put a condom on a banana um And apparently (laughs) still being taught in UK schools today. Um, There was a podcast with, um, it's like adulting podcast, but there was this young activist called Maxine. She's called Looking for Mother Max on Instagram. And she said that, yeah, this is still happening. She's 18. And I thought we had a lot of faith in like the younger generation, but the fact that this is still happening, it just shows that like, that's why it's so important, Diva, like the work that you do. It's just so
1: important that this is going on because... (laughs) it's crazy like it's like consent the fundamental basis of sex is not, not acknowledged in sex education and like in, in a world where violence against women is endemic <laughs> you know and we still yeah. have made the link of like there is a fundamental misunderstanding of consent it's yeah it's mind boggling
0: <laughs> isn't <Yes>. it <laughs> Um, and so Deba, we have another question for you. Um, so as you know, this is also about, this is obviously about still sexual harassment, but maybe going one step further. I'm sorry if this is triggering for anyone, but, um, we're going to leave some helpful resources at the end of the podcast in the show notes, but, um, because obviously we know the government have been very misleading on what the F is going on right now. Um, so like allowing kind of families to make plans for Christmas, telling us obviously we're in tier two, and of course we are in tier four now because there is a mutation of this virus. But I think it's just more about the inconsistency and like lack of foresight. Um, But how would you say that now, now that we are in tier four, which is basically a lockdown, how would you say from the work that you do, and insight you have into this, uh, how will this impact vulnerable women who are potentially living with partners, um, Mm. you know, like the rise in domestic violence? um, Do you have anything that you have, like words of advice or any views around this that you know from kind of an insider
1: perspective, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, like this is now the third lockdown (laughs) and the government still hasn't made specific provision for this. You know, like we saw it immediately in the first lockdown, the the rise in violence against women. It was instant Um, and they still haven't made proper provision for entering another lockdown and giving domestic abuse services more support. Because you know domestic abuse, like Christmas is their busy time anyway, and now we're in tier four. Like it's just mad to me that this. I mean, it just goes to show, like it's not seen as a fundamental part of a functioning society and economy, that you, you respected and understood the issue, which is a matter of life and death. By the way, you know, <laughs> a matter mm-hmm. of life and death. Then you would. Totally. This, the urgency that it is. You'd, it is as fundamental as healthcare is. We are talking about women dying. Um, so, you know, <laughs> what does it say? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I am so exasperated with this mismanagement and embarrassing lack of you know foresight and and frankly just irresponsibility of this government (laughs) you got me like you could get me ranting about this for ages but like there was no provision made again they must have decided like they just decided right we're going to do this well if you're going to do this then you need to understand what the repercussion is and the repercussion is there is going to be more women who are going to need access to emergency services um So you, as much as you give, you know, the NHS and things more, more um, resources, then you must do the exact same thing to this, because this is the consequence of going into a lockdown. There will be women who are cut off
2: from
1: access and support. So what are you going to do about it? They've done nothing.
0: So there you go. No, thank um, you. That really answered the question. I, I just wanted to like kind of shine so light
1: was on just that. I really angry. You know, yeah. but we
0: need to, we need to shine light on the fact that there's going to be women locked away with abusive partners right now. And we do need to raise awareness mm-hmm. about that and, and, and empower or let women know that there are like services out there. Like, like what you're doing Deba, with the sexual harassment helpline. There are like, there are equivalents to that, but in
1: the home. It's like with those services, they are just like at max. They're at max capacity. Like you can mm. call them. They might not pick up because they're at max Capacity, like that's that's the thing isn't it like I think the government just had this attitude yeah. of like just call the helpline and <laughs> anyone working in the sector is like we're on our knees like we cannot we
2: could barely keep yeah. up before,
1: and now you want to just give us more we're like Ugh.
2: anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I actually um wrote to my <clears throat> local MP last week um on a number of issues and one of the things I excuse me asked him was about um, domestic violence and sorry domestic abuse and what the my local council are doing to help women um, Mm -hmm. who are going through this and men and so he responded back to me saying um, on domestic abuse domestic abuse is an appalling crime and anyone who endures it needs our support and protection that is why I, I hope you are reassured to know that the government continues to support domestic abuse charities during this difficult year. And in November, we announced 11 million in funding for rape and domestic abuse support charities and seven million for innovative programs to stop domestic violence, sorry, stop domestic abuse happening in the first place. We are passing the domestic abuse bill through parliament at the moment. And this will help us to tackle domestic abuse more effectively and protect those who are victims. So uh, in practice, what we're not really seeing it, just funneling money into what, Okay so, so he wasn't all, able to that, give me clear
1: first of all that money is not all going to domestic abuse work okay that's just like a lump yep. sum yeah is only a ton, like only a fraction of that money is actually going into domestic abuse services oh so by the way 11 million pounds is a drop in the ocean uh, a drop in the ocean uh, so mm-hmm. you know and then, and then what i would say though this i mean a lot of people don't know about this but the government has Well, the government has what is known as a violence against women strategy, okay? And now with everything that's happening, all this kind of attention on domestic abuse and the domestic abuse bill, what they want to kind of do is remove domestic abuse from their violence against women strategy and turn it into its own domestic abuse strategy. And what they want to do, the kind of purpose behind that is to de- de gender domestic abuse because they want to talk about abuse happening to men and they kind of want right. to roll back on the idea that you know that women's organizations have been fighting for <laughs> fighting for, for for domestic abuse to be recognized as a gender based violence issue um, they kind of they want to remove it out of the violence against women strategy and have its own strategy which is a disaster a disaster the, it will completely roll back all the work that's been done to, to, to make people recognise why women are so specifically vulnerable to domestic abuse because it. of some kind of culture war um, which doesn't recognise um, mm-hmm. domestic abuse against men
2: enough
0: really worrying it is turning into a culture war and it's less it's more about politics rather than actually people's lives at the moment that's how, how i see it anyway
1: yeah that's completely completely, completely ideal gender-based is mad but they're pushing it so much um its comments were really interesting well they were they were ridiculous but they were really interesting in the sense that the you know she was saying that like black lives matter it was like fashionable and all of this stuff whereas oh anybody gosh. working in the sector knows fully anyone working look you, anyone working in equalities and discrimination or harassment or violence will tell you that all of these issues are intersectional they all play into each other um, and that's not being recognized enough and and the idea that the government kind of want to separate these things out goes against all the data and the evidence and the uh i don't know what to do nina (laughs) i don't know what to do what can you say (laughs) apart from being on the front line and say this isn't how it is but you know it's an ideological it's an ideological thing that they want they want to
2: pursue this you know it's it's all yeah they interpret the world and But for me, my, my issue is even with this answer that I got, which um, I'm not impressed by from the MP um, it's like, that doesn't tell me anything like, yeah, so you've got 11 million. So what are you going to do with that? So I feel like they need to be actually speaking to people like yourself, people who are are actually doing this work frontline and, and get tangible um, solutions rather than just saying, we've got this money to do this. I feel like that's what's missing because this is why we're still so behind. In terms of what the government are doing, not uh, work like yourself and other charities that help, you know, helping women. Um, I think it's just a lack of um, coalition with charities um, who are actually on the front line. I think this is the biggest problem for me personally. Um, they just don't have a clue. Yeah, okay, the government so... does talk
1: to the sector. I mean, the, the 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 government. You know, there is communication, but they just don't. They don't listen. Like they don't. No. <laughs> they, you know, and that's, that's why we are. This is just like, and you know, it's like yes, you've been given your opportunity to speak, but it doesn't mean we're going to do it. Um, yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like,
2: yeah. Okay, so on the next question, <laughs> which is another big one. Uh, yeah. So sorry, Diva. Um, so, how big of an impact would you say the Me Too movement has made? Um, to responding to sexual harassment against women, and what's your opinion on the backlash that is received? Because obviously, the Me Too movement is a very important and powerful movement, but it has li- received a lot of backlash from, you know, many many people, uh, including some women. So, what's your opinion on on that?
1: Um, people ask me this a lot, um, actually. This question. Mm. I think I think like the main thing I like, I could say like my kind of usual answer, but I wanted. To sort of explain something a bit different, I guess, in this time. is just like the sexual harassment work I do now has had its roots, you know, from the 80s. The idea that, like, I'm not saying you guys think this, but I think some people think this that, oh, sexual harassment's like new and suddenly an issue. Whereas, like, papers were being published on this in the 80s, you know, there were a whole body of academic work was done. Uh, new laws you know all the laws we have about sexual harassment come from that time Um, and then you know so there was all this flurry of activity and it kind of looked like for a moment things were going to change and then it it kind of just I don't know. I don't want to say that it fell into the background because when I look at it, even when I was growing up, all of these things about sexual harassment were still happening, but they were being interpreted in that kind of normalized lens that we've already talked about. Like when I think about it, like when I was a kid and Bill Clinton was like impeached for (laughs) getting a blowjob from his intern um, and like all of these stories were happening, but they were just kind of like being interpreted in this lens of like men will be men um boys will be boys what else can you expect men to be doing like sex scandals are normal and men abusing positions of power well men have always done that so that's what i kind of realized when i was doing this work and i look back and i think look all of the there have been so many significant moments which the media just haven't interpreted their significance Because, you know, when you think about it, like the president of the United States had been, um, he'd been actually sued like by a previous employee for sexual harassment. So these things have always had a really actually like high profile Um, or, you know, if you've ever watched like Anita Hill give that really powerful testimony to the US Senate about um, Clarence Thomas when he was um, a nominee to be a supreme court justice and she talked about sexual harassment and it was explosive you know and her story by comparison to what i hear on the advice line it was you know i've heard much much worse things happening to women 30 years on um and you kind of realize how, how far we still have to go, but just kind of, I, I'm very humble about where all of this work has started. And there have been so many trailblazers before who, you know, you know, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants in that sense. I think it's really important to acknowledge that before everything that happened before the Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too movement, the, Tarana Burke mm. Me Too moment like all of that stuff there is such an there is such a like and uh, there was such a accumulation of work and and stuff that happened before mm. that moment happened
0: I think it's really good you mentioned that Deba because I think we often lose sight I know I do I think I'm um, like oh this is all so interesting like wow what's happening now but there are women before us as you said and women who are still alive today who have been doing this for years and years and years and the concepts are there and i think it's really important to recognize um those concepts came from and to um yeah so i think it's just really important that you said that yeah
1: i think it's problematic to kind of think of me too as new actually the more i kind of learn about it the more i kind of educate myself i'm like this is the problem though if we kind of act like this is new and interesting there is nothing new and interesting about sexual violence there is nothing new and interesting about uh, violence against women and that's how we need to see it like a persistent persistent problem that remains and has always been there um and yes there is all this interest around it but when um and you can compare it to the black lives matter suddenly there's so everyone's interested in, in in racial discrimination and inequality yeah. that's always been there like yeah. or, you know anyway yeah. and, and, and that's and that's fine and that's good and you know those cultural moments are really important but if it becomes this kind of you know these moments have to turn into something you know you have to see the systemic change you know you look at the civil rights movement and like what did they achieve they achieved actual legislative change and that's how (laughs) that's how change actually happens you know you can't just have a cultural movement you need to have um underlying things change and right now me too and as such, all the laws are the same every law is the same um maybe in some countries there's been a bit of progress but we're still in the same system women come forward and maybe they they feel more encouraged to report um, but they're still when they report they still enter a a terrible legal system Uh, well you know it's not i don't want to say terrible they but they 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 enter a system rigged against them and until that changes, well, then just Me Too is a hashtag.
2: And I was actually going to, I'm glad you brought the example about um, the Black Lives Matter m- uh, movement this year, because, yeah, all of a sudden we've seen this, like, huge wave and everybody's, like, you know, fighting for racial uh, inequality, which is very important. But um, I remember thinking and talking to some of my friends, like, why, why did George Floyd's murder really upset everyone, including myself as a black woman, I was like, oh my God. So there, there is something, you're right, but this culture, like, because with the, when the Me Too movement came up, like there was just loads of people coming out and everyone's like, Me Too, Me Too, Me Too. But mm. it seems like it's kind of gone quiet. I don't know whether maybe I'm not seeing it. I don't know. But it is, I think you're very right to say system change is so important because otherwise, yeah, it's just us talking about things, you know, at the pub or something, um, mm. but not actually... Yeah you know, going, going forward and that's not a criticism, but I think we need to really be, as you're saying, like really push for it Um, and stuff like even writing to your local MP. um, These things, I think people just don't really realise just how important that kind of stuff is. Um, Yeah. You know, campaigning, um, you know, calling charities, speaking to them, finding out like what's, what's happening, how can, how can I help, you know, Uh, reading, educating, telling your friends about things like doing things in the, in the office, in the workplace, standing up for people, these small things because that is still a system change right
1: yeah um, and activism has a huge part to play as well because like look at you guys you're doing this podcast you're caring about these issues you're talking about them you're making this your life and the way that you view the world and i think that's really important as well that we all have our part to play in just <laughs> caring about these issues and championing those issues and and yeah i think you know that's important that every every person can in their own way create some change just in their own lives and i think if more people did that we would be in a better place i'd agree Deba. wise words <laughs> um, <laughs> but
0: also yeah i think what paris is saying as well about um all those kind of just giving examples of individual things that we can do In my previous work. I was quite inspired by the woman that I was working with. I was working at a council actually as a policy officer and the whole council changed their whole agenda on equalities after the black lives matter movement and they pushed um, black lives matter to the top of the equalities agenda and now it's got its own committee. Um, and they often have meetings with um, the corporate body and they they're holding the, this specific committee have now got um, actual people working on the Black Lives Matter agenda. So I think that is the kind of like intricate change that I think needs to happen from like local authority, government level that really need they need proper like system change. Um I would say, then obviously, individual change is really important. But until we have like senior people in senior levels making the decisions, recognize that they need to do a lot of unlearning and potentially, you know, do some actual, like, there's kind of often people talk about like actually learning about, um, Racial equality, and then unlearning those like small microaggressions that often managers do accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally. Obviously, that's not accidentally. That's the kind of patriarchal, white supremacist kind of world that we are living in right now. But that needs to be broken down. So I, I think, I think it is happening. But I think, um, yeah, Paris, I would agree, agree with you in the sense that I feel like online, it's kind of settled a bit. Um, and then how, how then do we kind of reignite that? Is it mm what would you say both of you like how would how do we reignite the flame how, we don't need another person to die of these people dying still but we don't shouldn't take another black life dying for then that to be reignited it's really tough
1: yeah um I, I don't know it depends if you you see success as like a flurry of activity online or not um i think you know, that it, it's impossible to kind the way that we have rolling news and the way that we're like um constantly on to the next thing just means that like you're probably not going to have like coverage non-stop. I think that's just the kind of nature of the world we're in that we kind of pick up issues and we drop them and we get excited about things and then we get bored of them. <laughs> and I think um that's fine and that's probably the way things are going to be. Um but I don't, I don't think the, like, certainly the issue of Me Too, for me, hasn't, hasn't stopped because we are now delivering this service. We are delivering a service that just didn't exist before. And every time a woman calls us, we're making a change. We're making, we're making one less woman feel less alone and more empowered. And my dream would be for the advice line to be open 24 hours a day seven days a week so there would be enough provision for every single woman who needs it and they can come straight to us for free you know you just you can come for you know for free legal advice like it's amazing (laughs) legal advice is difficult to get it's expensive we Mm -hmm. we are there so for me when I look at that that is huge that's that's enormous that there's a service like there was you know women are always messaging me and saying I wish this had happened you know I wish you had been there a few years ago when I was going through this and now we can be like look we can be here for you when it is happening and that is just like you know that's just fighting fires really that's just fighting that's not (laughs) it's 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 giving a frontline support service, which is, is vital for helping the people who are actually in that situation. But we have, you know, we are doing work on changing policy and changing legislation so that we're getting to the root causes of all of these issues. And I am forever grateful for the Me Too movement because had that not happened, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Um, and I know how important what we're doing is every single day. So In terms you know as to the backlash well that is that is the patriarchy (laughs) that is the patriarchy that we are fighting every day and we we continue to fight it and you know just and looking as well as you know the sort of everything that happened this summer with the black lives matter movement like my dream would be to kind of make people understand how these two issues are together (laughs) like yeah. Black women are sex- uh, they're more vulnerable to sexual harassment. Like That's what people need to understand. Uh, women of colour are hyper-sexualised. Um, and it's wrong that we're kind of separating these movements. We need to understand them all together, and I think society hasn't quite clicked onto that yet.
2: Yeah, I think it's people understanding their privilege. Um, so whether it's a man uh to understand the privilege that they have uh, about over women in the society that we currently live in um and then white people understanding their privilege against black people in the current society we live in obviously they're not more privileged neither of these groups to to the other yeah, and actually do and actually doing something about it so if you if if i saw if i was a man and i saw you know a woman being treated badly at work to say something you know or if you know, you 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 have racist family. You know, talk to them and say, you know, you are actually like ridiculous. Or, you know, do something. Like, but I feel people feel so disillusioned about it because it's it's a lot of hard work. I mean, even with this woman for Wanawaki work we're doing, it's really hard and it's really it can get you down because things are so bad. But you just have to keep pushing and and understanding your privilege. Like we all have privilege, whether financially, you know um how you look where you work whatever so it's just understanding that we all are in a position of privilege and we can help somebody who's beneath us in terms of in the society that we live in I'm not saying that that's a fact but obviously if someone's hungry and you have food you can give someone food right and that's understanding that you have privilege against somebody um but I think people just don't understand it and they don't want to go far enough and I feel you know I'm not having a go at people but you just have to I mean this is we can't live in a world where people don't have and we have Or people are being marginalized and killed as we speak I mean how many women all over the world have probably died while we're speaking on this podcast from domestic violence yeah and nobody has done any like people just don't want to deal with it and it's you know we really have to 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 be brave
1: yeah and what what that reminded me of what you were just saying there so powerful (laughs) but what it reminded me of when I was when I was uh marching in the Black Lives Matter march this summer I turned around and there were so many white people like marching there was so many white loads loads yeah when I think about the me too when I look go to a women's march I don't see men walking with us I don't Mm -hmm. where when that's a good point actually you know, there aren't men taking banners and going, "Women's rights, we want them. It's not fair." You know, like, and that's the issue, isn't it? Like, women's rights are still a yeah. problem. Whereas people in the black, like, what's I think what was really significant about the marches this summer was it was a lot of white people who were like, "No, we're we're done with the racial inequality." Exactly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and it was beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's kind of when Ooh. the game felt like it was changing, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, exactly. whoa,
2: this is different. White people yeah, I think exactly. It's and it's also generational
1: as
0: well. I think, like, mm. um, so, like, me um, then speaking to my mum about what microaggressions aggressions are after, like, doing a lot of research online and also having worked for a council, like, understanding what those are from people that have experienced them, colleagues, and then explaining to my family what those are and them not actually computing or understanding that that, of what it means so I think um, you were both saying before like how important it is to just not be afraid of having those conversations yes we're gonna get things wrong but we all get things wrong but we all have empathy within us I do believe strongly that all people have the ability to empathize it's just sometimes that's locked away for longer for others because more things get in the way but really I think we need to like delve back into that kind of understanding of empathy and also just I think because like with me in Paris, like the reason why we started our organization was because we want to make it intersectional and to join both of our cultures together, both different perspectives, but also um, recognizing each other's privileges, especially myself and um, kind of what um, what you can, how you can help each other, how can you can platform each other. And also, um, I do believe that more white women, especially, need to step aside and know when when to say, when to kind of just understand that it's not your place maybe to say, to talk about something, whereas someone else's best place to talk about that? And that can be really, really hard to do. And I know I'm probably, maybe not even doing it right now by talking over you both potentially, but like it's something that is a challenge. But this, I think the Black Lives Matter movement has brought that again to the, to shone a light on it. And I, I feel quite positive in the direction that we're going in, hopefully.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. And I think, um you know, and in terms of women's rights, if, you know, we need, so the men that we know who's, who, <clears throat> excuse me, who are, who are like, they support us, blah, 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 you know, the managers, we need to be like, you need to hire more women. You know, we need, we also in the workplace. So as much as we say, we need to hire more black people and have them in positions of power. We need to be saying, well, why are there not many women making decisions? Because then how are we going to ever make change if we're never there? So I think it's exactly. actually, um, so so yeah so I think it's good what you what you've both said and I think um, I think it's really poignant what you said about yeah we don't see men on our marches but I know so many men who are like so pro women so where are they in fact next time I'm gonna call them and ask them to come
1: come to the fucking march <laughs> like, yeah
2: so you <laughs> stopped
1: t- you were willing to do that for Black Lives Matter you you care about equality like understand how old we, you know, you know don't just assume because this is the thing people assume. That women it can't change (laughs) they think they're wedded to an idea of like you know you you, I think people really do have this kind of it depends on how you view the world I think some people really do believe that you're never going to stop harassment and you're never going to stop rape and you're never going to stop these things because they are human nature men are going to want to do that to women and you can control it a little bit and kind of acknowledge that it should be less but you can't imagine a world where that's gone and if you kind of subscribe to that world view then you you feel like what women are doing so I feel like this is the backlash to the work I'm doing which is that some people are just like well harassment is kind of inevitable you're never going to this is the same with street harassment and public sexual harassment as well like people feel like it's futile because ridiculous and it that's the kind of issue that's what we need to persuade people of like we're we're offering a world that can happen and if you want it to happen you know if you believe it doesn't have to be this way then then come join us but I think lots of people don't because I mean, when I, you know, I think about my own work, and I just think, well, people have, lots of people have said to me, well, you're never going to stop women, you're never going to stop men hitting on women, <laughs> like that's the natural <sighs> order, um, and if you 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 want to fight that, then you want to disturb the natural order of <laughs> the planet, you know. Um, that's that's so your changing the
0: world though Diva Because that's what it is That's what it's about It's about literally sacrificing—not sac- but using your time to make change And that's exactly what you're doing with the helpline Like when yeah. you created this helpline I had no idea that there wasn't already one I knew that there was legal aid cut But I thought there must be some kind of like government scheme Something in line for someone to call up If they've been specifically sexual Being sexually harassed So the fact that that didn't even exist You know then now it is, now it does. So you've already changed, you've already created um, a system change that hopefully more, then people can follow suit. And Mm. that's what's very exciting is that there are, there is so much to do and it is being done as we can see as it is being done right now.
1: Yeah, but you know what? There should be a racial inequality (laughs) helpline.
2: Yeah, yeah there, there
1: should be actually There isn't, there's nothing We have women mm. calling us saying I've been discriminated against um, uh, Because I'm black Or because I'm a person of colour And there's mm. just nowhere to go um, And maybe yeah. some of it was sexualized, But maybe a lot of it was racially motivated And there's still no helpline for that You know, so yeah, Because the trade unions Because it was the
0: trade unions previously That you would go to something like that But a lot of people aren't part of the trade union, right? So it's no. quite like It's also oh, political God. territory That isn't really Um Told about enough, like I didn't know the GMB Or these different unions existed until My dad was part of it, but I mean They're not spoken about, so I think um, If there was a racial Equality helpline how Would that be then linked to Um, Would it be a similar format that you have, Deba? Would
1: it be kind of like... There should be free legal advice for all harassment and discrimination. Like, we are doing a specific type of harassment, which is sexual harassment. But our work often crosses into racial discrimination and racial harassment and disability and sexuality. All of these things interplay with each other. But I think a lot of people don't recognise that when they hear sexual harassment, they think it has to be... um, it has to be obviously sexual is the assumption right but so many women who are maybe they're a person of color or they are have a disability are experiencing this kind of uh microaggressions or whatever in in the workplace against them that is just again so normalized and they're just kind of they wouldn't recognize that i'm being harassed or i'm being discriminated against um and i think that that is a significant you know thing that needs to be achieved out of the black lives matter like movement that mm. there has to be free legal advice to to people who are experiencing racial discrimination but the whole point of rights of women the charity was set up in the 70s to give women equality and it was work you know we worked out right if women are going to have equality they are going to need to have access to legal advice they're going to need to be able to enforce and assert their legal rights and so many women can't do that for various reasons let's provide a service where they can which was you know how rights of women was born straight out of the women's liberation movement right and we're in exactly the same situation if we're going to get rid of racial discrimination um, you know racially motivated murder all of this stuff um where is the provision to help people actually in that situation
2: um yeah that's a good point actually so hopefully somewhat one of our well a listener will be inspired or will yeah. be inspired uh, cough, to do something cough. like that. How, Dita, how do we exactly do, do this? <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, well, I think we need to, yeah. Cause, yeah. I think that's a really interesting, I'm very, cause I, it's, I'm even now like thinking, Oh my God. Yeah, that's true. Cause I've had racial discrimination at work and I continue to every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, who do I tell other than my family when I complain to them and stuff mm-hmm. and, You know, I don't have anyone to call. I don't, I don't, I don't. um, And it's, and because it's so nuanced, because I'm a woman as well. So sometimes it's like, am I being discriminated because I'm black or I'm a woman? What's worse, that I'm a woman or I'm black? Sometimes it varies depending on the person. But yeah. I think... That, and think you're right
1: and it's the same thing isn't it it's like it's the same thing with sexual harassment the reason there was no advice line is because yes women would be sexually harassed but they would just say well I can't do anything about it obviously it's expected I'm going to just take this and it's the same with racial discrimination and harassment it's like obviously this is wrong but I'm not gonna sue my employer over it you know that's mad <laughs> and that's the same the same situation we were within in sexual harassment and now we're like saying no like here is the here are the tools you need to get justice and where and we need the exact same thing for people who are experiencing racial discrimination as well like somebody needs to be providing the actual tools to hold those people to account and say this i'm not i'm not normalizing this this isn't just my perception of the world and how i should experience the world i i'm you know <sighs> And that's the issue. I mean, so many women don't want to access legal advice because there's so many barriers. You know, let's say they don't speak English as a first language and they're worried about their immigration status. They don't have access to, um, you know, they might have no recourse to public funds. So. Doing a process like this, like the service I run, which is completely optional. Nobody's forcing you to do this. Nobody's forces you to sue your employer. So all these women who come to us are doing it optionally. Um, but that takes a certain level of privilege. To to sue your employer requires you to be have financial stability to have to to be able to risk losing that fight. Um, not everybody has that. So that's, that's, you know, that's the whole problem with the work I'm doing as well. I mean, I think there's just the, you, if you've been sexually harassed in the workplace, no one is going to do anything about it unless you do, you know, like it now falls to you to hold that person responsible, to hold that employer responsible. And a lot of people just don't have the time or the energy to do that. They've got to pay their bills and they've got to just keep on going. So, they just absorb it and they move on. And that becomes their experience of the world. Um. But Deeba, I think it's so powerful that it
0: is there because I think it's a bit like um, how it's so important that a woman has the option to either look after her child or have daycare for her child. Like a woman has the option to just have a baby and still be really successful or not. It's almost like you have, if you, if you didn't want to, it's, it's to um, press charges or sue your employer. It's so important that that, that person does have the option to do so and you give people that option in many ways by giving free legal advice because we know that the whole like um what is it? kind of there's barely any like there still is pro bono but there's no more um uh, but yeah so like now legal aid is being cut it's just so important that there is free stuff out there and that it is possible to get that help initially I, I also I really feel like like the law exists to give power to people because it kind of balances a very unbalanced employment contract already. You're already less powerful than your employer. I think what laws and rights do is they give you more power. You can yeah. invoke them, you can use
1: them. But no, they, 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 they mean them. laws, are, rights mean nothing if you can't enforce them. If you exactly. can't, literally right. cannot pay to enact your right, then that that right is just a piece of, like it's just some words on a piece of paper. Because... If it comes down to it and you have to pay for it yourself and you don't have the money, then, you know, that's, that's all great on paper, but what can I actually do about it? And you know, this is the other thing in my work. You've got three months, three months to bring a harassment and discrimination claim. Do you know how quickly that goes?
2: Wow. That's yeah.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. Blink, you blink and it's over. And then women come to us and it's been six months (laughs) and they've, and I have to tell them, well, look, you might struggle to make a legal claim because there's just this really arbitrary time limit. And there you go. That's your rights in the bin.
0: Cough, cough. Anyone yeah. listening, start a petition on this to make that time longer, <laughs> please. I can. That's what I'll give <laughs> you. I'll, I'll
1: give you the petition we're doing on it. There's something rights women are campaigning on. But, oh, yeah, perfect. oh, is there um, already existing petition on that, Deba? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll send it to you guys. Thank you so much. But it's, it's this is not just sexual harassment at all. This is racial discrimination. Like mm. it's it's all the same law. So let's say you are racially discriminated in the workplace. You've got three months basically, um, to, to get your skates on. I mean get legal advice <laughs> on that. That's that's very general. But um it kind of kills me that, that that's kind of you're such an arbitrary kind of um our time to will just kind of block you from having justice i mean it's not right it's not fair
2: and the police as well i feel like they they really don't treat women which is something that was highlighted in i may destroy you um about when you go to the police about a case like rape or harassment and they're just like well you know um you know you're going to have to come to the police the police station you're going to have to um see this person you're going to have you know how long were you dating them like Really, rather than just taking what you say as why would somebody go there and say that? I know people do, but I just feel like they just they judge you instantly and that stops people from going. And then they say, you know, you've got a couple of weeks, I think, to, to put your case forward. And they just make it really hard for you. And I know this from personal experience and it's, it's awful. And so, you know, you just decide, as you said, just not to even bother because no one, no one believes you. No one's listening to you. Um, and you're made to feel like you've done something wrong because you're being harassed um yeah, by a man I, because he oh sorry gone. yeah no 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 yeah done <laughs> no sorry I'm <laughs> really excited at what you were saying <laughs> yeah no no go go
1: ahead oh do um yeah I mean obviously yeah that that's a huge part of the problem like women like I always say like it is extraordinary like when a woman has the fortitude and the mental stamina to go through the le- legal process that is heavily rigged against them heavily heavily rigged against them every point those women who actually pursue rape cases and actually do it with all the odds stacked against them on in terms of like conviction rates and the the likelihood that this person is ever going to actually be held to account for what he's done and they still do it because they have faith in the system. They believe it's the right thing to do. They believe in truth and justice. Like it blows my mind (laughs) that um, they still have, they still have faith in the system somewhere that like the truth will be heard. And I just think that's extraordinary. And the way that we we still kind of (laughs) approach those women, like as we react to them as if they're liars, is is deeply insulting to what has happened to them just so, just on a sort of personal dignity level it is it is deeply insulting um to what that person has gone through to not even believe it to, to is, is i just yeah <laughs> yeah um
0: that is thank you so much for um kind of shining light on that I, it's like Oh, there's so much to be done there is so much to be done but I think it's, it's important for women to feel um that there is a chance because if there is no chance but we know there's a chance because it does happen and there is president set so cases can 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 set a whole new role and can help all the other women after them so it's really important to have faith but um also change the system definitely um so I've got another question for you Deba um as a Labour activist, which I know you are, you're very politically engaged in the Labour Party and have been for some time. I also know that you've also kind of run for different um, positions Labour Party too, which is incredible. Um, so I have quite like an, an interesting kind of like anomaly. Why, why when we have? Because I'm also a Labour Party member. That's that's beside the point. Um, but why when we have at least 50% of Labour MPs are women? Um, why is it that we still haven't had a female or woman labour leader or prime minister, but yet we have had um two conservative party prime
1: ministers I want to flip this question on its head, please do please do because uh, i'm because i i could t- we could talk about this and we could say all the really obvious stuff, but there is. Because you guys know you you already know the answer to this question, but let's talk about let's talk about how politics actually works. Because I you know I am a Labour activist for my sins. <laughs> I've given the Labour Party a decade of my life, and um, what I have seen in every echelon of the Labour Party is, and this is not just the Labour Party. This is politics in general. But I think the Labour Party has a problem with this. Is Um, misogyny at every single level and that is partly to do with society and our views and and our expectations of women and how we feel about politically active women and opinionated women but what I saw when I was uh, younger and I entered like political life you know I wanted to learn about the Labour Party I thought the Labour Party is the vehicle for uh, enacting change. Politics is the way you get things done and if you want an equal society, which I've always wanted, a uh, deeply held belief I've had, then political change is fundamental um, and political change is the vehicle to get that done. So I knew it was important to understand the Labour Party and see it and I went right to the belly of the Labour Party and I, I rocked up and I said I want to work for an MP, I want to understand politics. And what I saw working as a a parliamentary researcher was how the Labour Party is run by men. (laughs) The Labour Party is run by nerdy, (laughs) white, middle class men. And it's not just the people who are elected. But all of that internal machinery needs to change because that machinery and the way it's operated has you know, a huge effect on what is seen as politically viable, what is seen as politically strategic, uh, politically valuable. And until we have those internal mechanisms, uh, we kind of... D, uh, we kind of get rid of the uh, male biased in all of that. Then we're not going to see, when women come forward, we're not going to see them as viable leaders. We're not going to see them as future prime ministers. Because if you have a backroom of nerdy white men saying, no, 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 we need to have nerdy, a nerdy white man. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing that is seen as proper and uh, legitimate then things are never going to change. And that's why I am passionate about women getting involved in politics and learning how politics works and being inside that internal party machinery, seeing it for what it is, understanding it so that they are able to feel like they are in a position to govern because women need to understand all that stuff. Um, to feel in that position. And men assume that they have the authority on that, that they have the ability to lead, to understand politics. And we need more women kind of having that mentality as well, because once so many, because so many MPs, you know, have have worked in parliament or in politics before they were in politics, before they got elected. And that was obviously really valuable for them, a valuable experience for them, becoming elected and we need more women to be in that position too does that make sense
0: <laughs> yeah no that's that's yeah i agree with you i think we need more women putting themselves up and actually make be in the positions be in the positions of power be making the decisions be the ones yeah. voting on the domestic abuse bill be the ones voting on the equality legislation and not because i yeah but then do you
2: think so you're could...
1: putting together labor party policy that's okay. what I want, I want to see women yeah. Putting together Labour Party policy because then the Labour Party will, if more women are kind of in the back room saying, no, this is what we need to talk about, this is what um, you need to be on the news talking about, saying that to Kia Starmer, saying that to the front bench, Um, then you're going to see change in the Labour Party.
2: You're going are you,
0: to see are you seeing that change at all, Deba? Because obviously I know you've been an activist for quite a while in the Labour Party. Are you, if you could expand upon if there has been change or if, yeah, are no. you more optimistic or pessimistic?
1: What I saw, when I was working in the shadow cabinet 10, nearly 10 years ago, uh, lots of, like, men did all the political strategising, men did all the policy decision-making, men did all of that. And from what I hear with my friends who are still, um, who are active in the Labour Party and, uh, you know, active in the leader's office and all of that, they're saying nothing's changed. It's still men have all the power and control in the decision making. And I think, you know, we have the Labour Party has this rule now, this kind of rule that we would a shadow cabinet must be gender balanced. but. Look, what I'm saying is we need to have that in the back room too. Gender balance needs to be, all political advisors, it should be gender balanced. Because that's, that's all the Labour Party as well. It shouldn't just be this public like, oh, we've got gender balance, so therefore, you know, tick, we've done feminism. Um, you yeah. haven't done feminism if really, who has, the, who, who has all the power and control? <laughs> well, completely. You know I really what you're saying is you know women are there to be like you know decorative or kind of the illusion of of being equal but really who's making all the decisions
2: hmm. completely absolutely um yeah a tangible a meaningful position that will facilitate change right systematic change when I, when I was um,
1: in politics, women what the women did in politics was they did diary management, they did events, they did comms, but they did not do politics. They did not do policy. Yeah. And, and I remember, I remember getting there being like, what the, you know, what the, what the hell is this? Like I came here to do politics and policy. I thought that's what politics was. Um, and then you should sort of kind of come to realize, no, no, no. Like there are gender there are gendered expectations of what women and men can contribute. Um, totally. And that was sort of unacceptable to me and still fighting against it. But uh, you know, I'm saddened to see that it's, it's still very much, um, very
2: much yeah. the norm. Mm, definitely everywhere, yeah, even outside of politics. So hopefully uh, our children's children will see something, um, much different to what we see and um so yeah we just have to continue this this important work that we're doing and especially you you know saving so many women's lives and giving them a, a voice and you know someone to talk to someone to lean on um, so um yeah so as we move to close uh, Diva, we just have a two final questions for you um mm-hmm. so the penultimate one is um we like to end on a high And we think um, we need this more than ever, particularly with tier four and tier five and tier 20 million, whatever. I feel like that's what we're going to get to. (laughs) Lol. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me so sad. Um, But if you had a magic wand um, and can change the world through the feminist lens, how would you change it? And what would you do first? (laughs) Okay. um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were really (laughs) fully answered to this question. Uh, Because I could start ranting again, but I feel like I've done that enough. Uh, (laughs) So um, what I'd say is, have you ever seen that film, I'm Not an Easy Man? It's like a French film. I think it's still on Netflix.
2: No, no. no I seen that. But you, I often,
0: Nina? I often write down when Deba does these posts on her Instagram. I often write down the films that she says, and they're in like my to-watch list. And I'm like, I think I put
1: that in my to-watch list. Guys, <laughs> serious it? homework. Okay, this like this film just blew my mind. It's kind of it's like a comedy where this really misogynistic guy who's kind of like a womanizer, um, he hits his head and he wakes up in a world where re- sexism is reversed so the way that women are objectified he he's objectified and he is right. horrified he's horrified to see like to be such a sexualized object and to have this basic lack of respect at every moment of his life <laughs> and it's the film is just genius and it's hilarious and um, so i think if i had a magic wand <laughs> what i would do is i would every day like i would have one day on the planet we would reverse sexism. (laughs) So just that everyone could see how ridiculous it is. Um, There's this scene where he's like waxing his chest and he's waxing his legs because, you know, that's what's expected um, in reverse sexism world. And you just kind of get, when you see it like that and you just realize, wow, like sexism is ridiculous. (laughs) When it's turned around the other way and you see a man doing it, you, you see how ridiculous it is. And that's what I would do. I would have everybody kind of just realise, realise what, what, what we're doing here is is, <laughs> is is ridiculous.
2: I like that. I think that's a really good, um, sometimes people have to go through things to understand it. I feel if, if, especially men who've always been privileged all over the world, so it's not even about race, it, it, it supersedes that. And I think it would really be good for them to just have a day or an hour or five minutes uh, And to see how it feels. And even actually experience childbirth see, experience. Understand just what a women go through Periods, you know, they oh, don't understand yes. They're like, oh, you're Oh right, my you're god, right. it's if like, men you, had it's periods what, They'd have tampons
0: know? everywhere <laughs> Like, it would just be like, yeah
2: That's yeah, what
1: it be. Every man should have to have a period That's my magic wand <laughs> Yeah <laughs> That's
2: what I'm
1: so. going
2: to do Yeah, we need to, we need to talk to someone I don't know who we can talk to about making that happen but we need to find that person um you know to, to help us um i'm gonna pray on it uh, <laughs> divi- divine intervention and also um, um diva how can we help
0: you so we want to the reason why we do this we want to platform women and especially incredible women like you um who are doing really important things that also help other women um so in terms of if anything like you want our listeners to know, or is there any kind of area of your work that they can s- support? Um, Paris, we talk a lot about solutions and you're already, you've already found a solution to one of them with the sexual harassment helpline. Um, oh, but is there yeah. anything else you want to us to kind of like shout out or a call to action?
1: Um, yeah, I guess the one thing I want, if anyone's listening to this and they want to help, I would go online right now and immediately donate to your local domestic abuse charity um, because money is the best form of activism. (laughs) Donating is honestly the best thing you can do if you feel powerless um, and you don't know what to do. That is one of the most effective things you can do. Um, So do that because there are a lot of charities in the sector right now who are in serious trouble. So that's what I'd ask people to do.
0: Thank you, Deba. That was, I mean, I know I'm definitely going to do that. And I've done a few, but I just need to, I just, yeah, put the money where your mouth is essentially. And I know you've also been, that um, you did a post about donating to charities instead of um, buying Christmas presents as well, which I thought was incredible.
2: Um, Paris, anything else you want to say? Yeah, just, um, just thank you so much for your time today, Deba. I um, feel really honoured to have you here and um, showcasing your work, the important helpline that you've got because, you know, it is saving people's lives and there, there is nothing more important than that in the world. I mean, you know, you're, you're living a very purposeful life um, without sounding like a preacher, which I often do. But I think, you know, it, it's really, really important what you're doing, especially now. Um, so, yeah, we want to continue to support you work with you wherever we can and just yeah thank you so much for your time I've learned a lot um and we're gonna have to go back and read more on on um yeah harassment what's going on and what it is and and yeah what's the best course of action
1: and I have had the best time talking to you both and I am forever grateful for what you are doing and the like the train the change in the world you're trying to create like I see it I celebrate it carry on being amazing like you guys are so I'm okay, gonna get all whimsical now but you guys are so young and you're already like doing so much like just think about what you're gonna have achieved in 10 years time and it, it makes me really hopeful for the future and I so think you really-
0: but you're young too come on <laughs> you're so young oh, as well <laughs> <laughs> you <probably don't>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're spring chickens <laughs> <laughs>
1: but yeah it's amazing you just started on your journey so and it's like it's, it's good it's so good and keep inspiring people and keep doing what you're doing
0: well thank, thank you, you so, much. so much thank you everyone for listening thank. and uh Hopefully hopefully, um, we'll, put all, we'll put Diva's details In the show notes You can follow her on Instagram She's also quite active on Twitter as well And um, we'll put Rights of Women And all the organisations that Diva is leading on And working with um, So yeah, thank you for joining us today
2: Thank you, thank you. Take care Bye Bye
0: I